stand for the reading of God's word. Today's scripture is found in John chapter 2, verses 1 through 11. On the third day, a wedding took place at Cana in Galilee. Jesus' mother was there. And Jesus and his disciples had also been invited to the wedding. When the wine was gone, Jesus' mother said to him, They have no more wine. Woman, why do you involve, involve me? Jesus replied, My hour has not yet come. His mother said to the servants, Do whatever he tells you. Nearby stood six stone water jars, the kind used by the Jews for ceremonial washing, and each holdings was from 20 to 30 gallons. Jesus said to the servants, Fill the jars with the water. So they filled them to the brim. Then he told them, Now draw some out and take it to the master of the banquet. They did so. And the master of the banquet tasted the water that had been turned into wine. He did not realize where it had come from, though the servants who had drawn from the water knew. Then he called the bridegroom aside and said, Everyone brings out the choice wine first and then the cheaper wine after, after the guests have had too much to drink, but you have saved the best for last. What Jesus did here in the Cana of Galilee was the first of the signs through which he revealed his glory and his disciples believed in him, John 2, 1 through 11. This is the word of God. Thanks be to God. Well, I got to ask you, do you feel the presence of the Lord today? Oh, I'll tell you, I, the music, Pastor Nathan, the worship team, I think have just brought us right into God's presence today. I read not long ago about an Eastern Orthodox monk. He would pray until his feet came off the ground. Can you imagine that? I'm not sure my feet are on the ground right now. Thank you, Pastor Nathan. Well, we're beginning a new sermon series today. It's a sermon series on miracles. There are 34 miracles recorded in the Gospels, Jesus' miracles. And we know that there are countless others that really aren't recorded. John tells us in his Gospel, in the very last verse, he writes, Jesus did many other things as well. Every one of them were, if every one of them were written down, I suppose that even the whole world would not have room for the books that would be written. And I believe that includes his miracles. Well, in the next few weeks, we're going to examine four of Jesus' miracles. And as we do, I think we'll learn some amazing things about Jesus, some amazing things about miracles, and I think probably even a few things about ourselves. And as always, we don't study God's Word to be informed. We study to be transformed, and I think that's what happens when we study the miracles of Jesus. So let's talk about miracles. Now, you're all just sitting here. I know you're just relaxed. You're waiting for coffee and donuts. You don't feel like you're really doing anything right now. But think of this miracle. At this very moment, the earth is spinning 
on its axis a thousand miles an hour. At the same time, the Earth is hurtling through space at over 67,000 miles an hour. That's 87 times the speed of sound. And the Milky Way galaxy is spinning like a pinwheel 438,000 miles an hour. So even on this Sabbath, this day of rest, you're going to travel over one and a half million miles through space. <laughs> and here's the miracle. God created all that, and He keeps it all in perfect order. And all the rest of the universe working just the way it's supposed to. So here we sit today in the midst of this great miracle of creation, this magnificently immense miracle, and we don't even notice it, do we? We're surrounded by unexplainable miracles of God every moment of our lives. And those are just the big miracles that we see. How about the small ones? How about you? Do you know there are literally trillions of chemical reactions going on in your body every single day that keep you breathing and regenerating tissues keeping you awake while I'm talking with you, that's happening right this moment. Did you know your brain is, is performing 10 quadrillion calculations a second? And how about this? If your unique genetic code, unlike any other uh, person ever created, your unique genetic code, if it was written out longhand, would be a three billion word book. You're pretty amazing. Three billion word book. I want you to think about that. The King James Bible, 783,000 words long. You put your three billion word genetic code into a, a, a 783,000 word book, your code would take 40,000 books to write. And that's just you. <laughs> you see what that is? You're a miracle. And as we sit here in creation, we're a miracle within a miracle. So what do we know about miracles? Well, we know God is still performing them, don't we? <laughs> it's all around us. We're surrounded by His miracles every day. And we're not just surrounded by them, we are one. So it is, any, is it any wonder this God of miracles could miraculously heal us. That's not a surprise, is it? He could heal us or find us the right spouse or the right job or the right place to live. Those are pretty simple miracles compared to all the rest, aren't they? Here's another thought about miracles. Every divine miracle is an ongoing miracle. I don't believe there is any such thing as a one-time miracle, and we'll, we'll explore that a little bit in a few minutes. Well, after Jesus was baptized and the Holy Spirit led him for 40 days into the Sumerian desert, Jesus then headed to Galilee. And on his way, he came to this small village of Cana. Now, when Jesus and his disciples arrive in Cana, there's a wedding going on. A Jewish wedding in the first century 
was a well-planned event. A wedding was planned over the course of an entire year, at least a year normally. A wedding was planned. The, the groom had to provide a place to live for he and his bride. So he would, might be building his own house. He might be adding a room onto his father's home, but it was going to take time. So usually it was a year that it was planned. And it was a week-long, continuous feast. Everyone in the village would be invited. There were very strict rules of protocol for a wedding. First, it was considered an insult to refuse a wedding invitation. Second, the host, the, the, the host would plan this event so carefully that he would never, ever run out of food and especially wine. To run out of either would violate the customs, the unwritten laws of hospitality. Running out of wine would be incredibly embarrassing. Even more than embarrassing, it'd be humiliating for the host. One would lose face with his neighbors. We don't know exactly what Jesus' mother had in mind when she went to him and simply said, they have no more wine. But from this encounter between Jesus and Mary, we learned some important things about miracles. When there was an issue, a problem, a concern, Mary didn't seek a miracle. She simply sought Jesus. She simply told Jesus about the problem. And Mary didn't try to tell Jesus what miracle to perform or how to perform it. She simply presented her concern to Jesus and left the solution up to him. Here's another thing we learn. Jesus cared about what Mary cared about. <laughs> if it mattered to Mary, it mattered to Jesus. And you know, running out of wine would be embarrassing for the host. It would be humiliating, but it's hardly a life and death situation, is it? No one was going to die or be in physical pain, and yet Jesus interceded. Jesus cared about even this minor concern of life. And Jesus was not motivated to perform this amazing miracle of turning water into wine because of Mary's eloquence. Mary only said five words. They have no more wine. Then from the miracle itself, we learn a few really important things about Jesus. In Jesus' solution to turn water miraculously into wine, we see Jesus' supernatural, divine authority over nature. Jesus didn't turn grapes into wine. He could have done that. He could have miraculously done that. He turned water instantly into wine. Jesus, who created every atom, every molecule in the universe, is also the one who controls it. 
And Jesus didn't just create wine. He created the best wine. He did even more than just miraculously create. His was a miracle upon miracle. You know, Jesus didn't just feed the 5,000 with only five loaves and two fishes. He did that and even had leftovers, 12 baskets of leftovers. Jesus' miracles be, go beyond what we expect or what we can even imagine. If we look beyond just the miracle, we'll see that Jesus' miracles reveal truth, truth about Him. Jesus didn't create the wine in containers that they were already using. That would have been the easiest thing, wouldn't it? We read that the stone jars that Jesus had filled with water were the kind used by the Jews for ceremonial washing. That's a cleansing, a purification. At his last supper, wine would represent his blood that would cleanse humanity of their sins. We see the symbolism, we see that truth in Jesus. Well, there's another aspect to this miracle that I believe is really so meaningful for us today. Because there is a miracle within a miracle going on here. One that is solely in God's hands. It's the miracle of synchronicity. That's the miracle of bringing everything together at just the right moment, at just the right place, with just the right people. We might ask ourselves, of all the villages between Nazareth and the Sea of Galilee, why was Jesus even in Cana? Was it because Jesus saw Philip and said, follow me, and then Philip found Nathaniel, and Nathaniel chose to be a disciple, and that Cana was Nathaniel's hometown? Is that why they were there? And why did Jesus choose just this moment to travel to Galilee? Why not the week before the, or the week after? But for whatever reason, Jesus is in Cana right when there's a wedding and is invited to the wedding of people he probably doesn't even know. And for some reason, Jesus' mother is also traveling with him and his disciples. And they all happen to be there when the host has something happen that never, ever happens in a first-century Jewish wedding. He runs out of wine. You see, the miracle of changing water into wine is also the miracle of synchronicity. Everything has to come together at just the right moment. You know, I read about Robert Lincoln just weeks before Abraham Lincoln was assassinated. His son, Robert, 
fell from a rail platform into the path of an oncoming train. He was rescued just in the nick of time. Man reached down and grabbed him by the collar and pulled him back up on the platform, and that man was Edwin Booth, John Wilkes Booth, his brother. Booth, John Wilkes Booth would change history, change the life of Robert forever. Edwin Booth changed history too and impacted Robert's life. Robert grew up and he became very successful in government and business, became a lawyer, later moved to Chicago. And after moving to Chicago, Robert Lincoln made a startling discovery. He said he found that there were more homeless, neglected, and abused boys than there were dogs on the streets of Chicago. In 1887, Robert Lincoln, who probably should have died being hit by a train had he not been saved, Robert Lincoln established the Glenwood Academy. It was an academy. It was the only boarding school for disadvantaged, abused, at-risk children. And for the next 133 years, Glenwood has been saving and transforming the lives of children, all because Edwin Booth happened to be on that platform that day and at that moment was there to save Robert's life so that Robert could save others. And then it's an ongoing because then those others continue to save others. So what do we know for sure about this miracle of synchronicity? We know that each of us, every single one of us, at this very moment is already in the presence, in the very midst of this miracle of synchronicity. Every place we go, everything we do, every person we see is part of God's miracle of synchronicity. It is the miracle of God bringing together everything, every person, every event, every situation, bringing everything together for a reason, for a divine purpose. God is using each one of us in this miracle to fulfill His purpose. And His purpose is the purpose for our lives. What is our purpose? Jesus tells us Himself, Matthew 28, Go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. That's our purpose, to make disciples. And He tells us again in Acts 1.8. He's talking to His disciples, and that's us. He said, you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. That's our purpose. 
That's why we're here. That's the purpose of this miracle of synchronicity, to bring us into the right place, the, the right people. And let that be a lesson to you. I don't know what that was. <laughs> That's an exclamation point. When Jesus tells us that we are to be his witnesses in Jerusalem, what's that mean? We are to be his witnesses in our hometown, right here, our hometown, our neighborhoods, to the people close to us, to the people most like us in our own culture, to those right around us. When he says, go be his witnesses in Judea, what's that mean? It means we're to be his witnesses farther out in surrounding areas. You know, Judea was 3,600 square miles. The whole area of Judea, that's all it was. You know what that would be? Going east to west, that'd be from Bloomington to Greensburg. If we're right in the center of Judea, it'd be from Bloomington to Greensburg, from Greenwood down to about Crothersville. That would be Judea. He's saying, not just your immediate area, but go out. Go out, but still to those who are like you in your own culture. And then he says, go to Samaria. What's that mean? He's telling us to witness to people who still live close by, but are of a different culture. Maybe a different religion, different race, different background. Go to Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Go anywhere that doesn't know Jesus. Go anywhere that hasn't heard the name of Jesus. Where there are people who don't know the grace of a loving Savior. That's our purpose. Jesus has called each one of us, every single one of us, to be a missionary. You know, in, in God's vocabulary, there is no domestic and foreign. <laughs> it's just go. You know, I've seen churches where uh, as you drive off the parking lot, there's a sign that says, uh, your mission field starts here. And that's true. I, I believe that. But I believe it starts sooner than that. I believe it starts right here. Our mission field is everyone sitting around us here. You know, I got thinking about a, the miracle of water and wine. That's not the only one Jesus did, you know that? Jesus has done other miracles with water and wine. I got thinking of a guy named Dino. Dino, by the time Dino was 40, he'd been arrested 32 times for public intoxication in Jackson County. I told Dino one time, I said, you know what that means, don't you? Never go south of State Road 46. Stay out of Jackson County. 32 times. Dino was a wino. He was a wino. Dino... Uh, went to Florida. He moved to Miami for a while. Why would he go to Miami? It's a perfect place if you're going to be a wino. It's warm. 
You can sleep anywhere. If you want to be homeless, you can sleep in a park, on a pier, on a dock, under a palm tree. He went there for the sole purpose of being a wino. Miracle of synchronicity. God placed people at just the right time, just the right place, right situations with Dino. It wasn't one person. It was many people over a whole number of years. A whole number of years. Until Dino turned 51 years old. And at 51 years old, Dino said, you know, I've done it my way for 51 years and look where I'm at. Dino received Jesus as his Lord and Savior. At 51 years old, Dino got saved. He got saved. He was adopted into the family of God. He was sanctified. He was made holy. God didn't clean him up. He gave him his holiness. Dino, the addiction was gone. His alcoholism was gone. Do you see what Jesus did there? He didn't turn water to wine. He turned wine to water. No more wine for Dino. Jesus, only Jesus could do that. Only Jesus could turn water to wine. What a miracle. Isn't that amazing? Stand with me if you would. We're going to close here and our worship team's going to come. And they're going to lead us in one more song this morning. And as they do, I believe we need to answer a few questions. Do you understand that God has a specific plan for your life? Do you know that? And that His, He has a plan not just for your life, but for the life each and every one of us. Do you recognize that everywhere you go this week, God has placed you there for a purpose. Everywhere you go, every person you see, God has arranged for you to see. Why? So that you can be that witness for Jesus Christ. So that you can be His representative at that very moment and that person may very well need that the most. The miracle of synchronicity is a miracle within a miracle. It's an ongoing miracle. The question is, what will we do with it? this amazing miracle that each of us experience every moment of every day. Let's answer that question this morning as we sing together. Sing with